The Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast is sponsored by Steeped Coffee. Steeped Coffee is a new brewing method that combines specialty craft coffee into a single serving bag. You don't need a machine. You don't have to make a mess. All you have to do is add hot water wherever you go. Each steep pack is individually sealed. It's nitrogen flush, so it stays fresh. And it's got this special full immersion filter. And the filter is ultrasonic sealed, which means it's sealed together with no glue or no staples. So there's no weird stuff floating around your coffee. Steeped is a benefit B Corp. They ethically source all their coffee. Their packaging is fully compostable and they believe that business should be done without compromise. You can get your hands on steeped coffee packs at steepedcoffee.com. That's S-T-E-E-P-E-D coffee.com. Asking your local retail stores to start carrying steeped or having your favorite roastery reach out and kind of get in touch. If you're in Santa Cruz, come on by any of the Cat and Cloud locations. We have it there for you. Basically, they're just doing their best to change the coffee industry, make your life more convenient with their pre-portioned, pre-ground innovation. So tell all your friends. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast, Wholesale Edition. Today, hey, my name's Alex, by the way. I don't know if we've met before. Today, we've got in the house, Big J Freeman. What's up? Freeman? What's up? That's me, with a D. With a D. From Hawthorne Coffee. Mm-hmm. Representing, we're down. So one of the components of our wholesale program is we love to travel and meet our partners and hang out with them in their shops and just go have a good time with them. And that's what we're doing here right now. We're in San Diego visiting Hawthorne Coffee, OG, OGist of Cat and Cloud Wholesale Partners. I've always kind of wondered that, how, if we're like the first and longest standing. I think you're pretty much the, f- I mean, we had Companion Bake Shop locally, but like, other than that, you guys are like, yeah, the nice. first ones to like nice. really like do it. Hell yeah. Um, which is freaking sick. So yeah, for those of you guys who don't know Big J, some of you probably do already, honestly, because if you follow us on Instagram or you follow Hawthorne, like you definitely see this dude. He's the... Uh, the Amish, the Amish looking young oh, lad. Man, I've been getting that a lot lately. <laughs> Jumping straight in. I'll oh, make sure you uh, hit that thing right, right on the nose. Right that microphone's sensitive. Hello, everyone. Hello. I'm here now. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm really excited to have Big J on the podcast because he's he's been at Hawthorne for as long as we've been working with you guys, and I just think it's really cool. Like we've heard from Dylan before on this podcast, like long ago. But I'm really excited to hear more about, like, a team member at Hawthorne and, like, where you come from, like, what your coffee history is and just, like, yeah, what what you get out of everything that you do every day at Hawthorne. Shit. And for those of you who don't know Big J, he is pretty much a baller. He's a barista at Hawthorne, um, crushes drinks all day, skates, um... Eats, eats pretty healthy, pretty healthy, yeah. healthy yeah. eating dude. He's pretty much just like a really that. like driven person. Mm. And like, dude, just to hit it like real hard from the get go. When I first met you, I like first impressions. I just, I, I didn't know. I didn't know that you were like such a baller just, and that's like stupid of me to have like that like stereotype or whatever. But like over time, like I've just seen you like develop in your role at Hawthorne so much. And, um, dude, yeah, I think you're like, damn, I appreciate that. Freaking kidding. I am. I don't. Yeah. Baller is a dope word. (laughs) That's like a super nice compliment. Thank you. Um, I will say, what was the question here? You had had asked me Not really a question. I'm just kind of introing you and like getting, getting your vibe. Uh, and big J is also in addition to all those things. Um, 
He's just like a customer service G. Um, he's got dog biscuits in his apron. I rock them. That is a business decision for Hawthorne that I decided to make. And it was a theory I had, and it has prevailed. And, dude, that's just, like, messed up. I mean, that's, like, sick. That's, like, amazing, like, intuitive service moves. I, I mean, <laughs> like, so here's the thing. We, we, Hawthorne is in a very, like, suburban, like, very neighborhood-focused area. Yeah. And people walk their dogs all the time. And my theory was, if I give this dog a treat every time it walks into Hawthorne. Yep. Every time it comes to Hawthorne, I give it a treat. Before you know it, even when the owners aren't looking to like come into Hawthorne, their dogs are like pulling them in. Absolutely. Um, it's the power of habit right there. <laughs> and I, I was like, I wonder if that'll work. And it totally has worked. So for <laughs> anybody out there like who wants to like reel their customers in through their dogs, which I want to do, um, I really recommend just getting some cheap treats and just Dude. making dogs happy, man. It's a pro tip right there. We kind of do the same thing with kids with honey sticks, like in our cafe. Like, <laughs> That's a really good idea. Actually, we're like winning over all the kids, and if you win over the kids, you you got the whole family. That's like, true. Parents want to sure. go where the kids are happy too. Definitely. Um, so Hawthorne. That's his Hawthorne side of things, and then he also operates a podcast with a bunch of his friends from different parts of the San Diego coffee community called Sprocast. That's right. Shout out to that. We Shout were out on that. Sprocast, man, dude. Sprocast is going strong. Uh, Mark, myself, and Brittany were the three that are here on this trip right now, and we were all on Sprocast last night. Super stoked to hear that episode. When's that dropping? It has dropped. It's dropped, so it, it's it it's dropped, already there uh, this morning, for all of yeah. you guys. Today is Monday. If you're listening to it on Monday, it's already there. Go find it. Mm-hmm. Sprocast. Sprocast. Where do you find that thing? Um, we're on iTunes. We're on SoundCloud. And, yeah, that's that's where we're on, man. Loving it. Heck yeah. Um, dude, so I wanted to like dig into just like more about you and like just like learn more about like what what are some of the things that like drive you to be the person you are? Like you're clearly a very like, hardworking and driven person and you're very like committed to your role at Hawthorne and like helping to grow Hawthorne. So like what like what like personally drives you? Cause I think like people would really love to hear like the story of like like what what it applies to like every industry and every kind of it's like it's not just a coffee thing like uh just yeah what what are you about I think what drives me the most I mean when I first started in coffee I was working at a restaurant and I hated my job and I more or less hated my life I was getting treated horribly um by my bosses and I was um, in, in my perspective, disrespected on kind of a, a usual basis. It was just kind of the, the culture at the place I was working. Um, and I took over the coffee bar because I saw that coffee, it needed somebody to stand there at the, the Marzocco that was in this restaurant, but also, um, it was quick and it was easy and I could kind of learn as I went and, after a while, I realized that coffee in and of itself was not only its own skill, but its own culture and its own industry. And upon talking to a couple of people that I saw at shops, um, we got dogs. What up? <laughs> Hello. Siri just entered the room. Siri Simran's here of Sprocast. With a sweet, friendly puppy. <laughs> Pablo's here. <laughs> um, sorry for all that 
Yeah, I, uh, I, I guess that's not even it, noise, dude. Like the mics they, are so dude. They don't even know what's going on. Dope. These mics are amazing. <laughs> um. Anyways, so I was working at a restaurant and I really didn't like it. And I started studying the coffee side of things because I served coffee, and they had a very quote unquote espresso forward menu, and I was being trained in retrospect on things that like I really thought I was competent and really thought I handled it. Yeah. But then I realized that the skills I was being trained on, they said like pull shots until they're blonde oh, yeah. and then you'll know it's done or yeah. steam milk until you can't touch it anymore and things like that. So I knew I was learning, but not enough. So I decided to apply at Ironsmith coffee roasters. Hmm. Um, amazing shop in Encinitas shouts out Matt De La Rosa shouts <laughs> out uh, Raul Macias and all the fam up there, dude, those guys, kill it those guys are mad passionate and it was upon applying there that i basically said i'm young i don't have many skills but i'm social and i'm just gonna work hard so if you hire me and treat me well then i'll double that right back to you yeah um they hired me on the spot they gave me an opportunity (laughs) um and it was dude so you just you just like walked in basically and you were like so one of their here's me (laughs) right the restaurant i was at is like a fried chicken southern food restaurant that also serves coffee mm. super weird being in san diego that's kind of brilliant <laughs> i agree and it was I'm about it it sucked me in immediately <laughs> and i loved like working there on the food basis but as mm. far as like the culture between staff it wasn't healthy and it was quite toxic and it took me a long time to see it but when i did gotcha. i couldn't get my vision off getting out of there got it um it was upon that point that I looked into the career of being a firefighter. I joined a fire academy. Hmm. While I was in fire academy, I left the restaurant job, started at Ironsmith, and at that time was juggling all of that. So you were like actively training to become a firefighter while also working in like Two restaurants jobs. and coffee. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's wild. Um, it was uh, while I like to think that like it was a lot. I always just kind of realized that like people work hard, man. And like, if you really compare yourself to a lot of the people in the world, like with all due respect, like coffee always isn't that hard of a job, like physically or mentally. Like if you look at it in a positive light, um, walk in every day, like the sun shines, then (laughs) it, it will for the most part, things can go wrong and stuff can stray from that path. But was it like a financial thing or were you like kind of wanting to like, just like work really hard and like have that experience for me it was i need a stable job to get me through this fire academy and then what's after that is unknown at Mm. at that point in my life um so i wanted a stable job and in between leaving the restaurant and training at ironsmith that whole thing was a couple months as well i was in um the fire academy was three days a week like eight hours a day or something like that so damn it's juggleable like like legitimately if if for like you said people want to hear this like you can do it like (laughs) genuinely if you're i was up front with the ironsmith people and i said i'm in a fire academy at the border of america (laughs) and that's over half an hour away and then i'm working this restaurant job and i'm trying to do it all and I want to do it all. So let me know. And people will really work with you Mm. in that. And if they don't work with you in that, then that's not your calling. And like other opportunities are out there. Right. Um, And the next thing, like I said, thank you so much to Ironsmith and those guys, because they did not have to offer me that opportunity. They did not have to bring somebody in that like 
had no training specialty wise, but they saw that I like wore a three piece suit to my interview yeah. and I like showed up a half an hour early <laughs> and I like had coffee and waited for them to like finish doing what they were doing before getting interviewed. And the, there was like so many things that I just saw as respect before even like, this is an interview, you know? Right. Well, we say this shit all the time, but like, like you can train any of the coffee skills and I mean, you can, you know, train people up over time and become great baristas um, and whatnot. But like training that, like, like you, you just can't like train someone's like hardworking ethic and attitude that like, that's something that has to come from like inside and like, you know, you have to be like 100% invested in doing some of that for yourself. So yeah, that's it. <laughs> Unfortunately, I think I find that a lot of people after they go through struggles, they come out learning from that learning from those struggles. And sometimes it takes working like for lack of a better term, a really shitty job, or maybe you work in a shitty area where customers treated you bad or something like that. Like it takes those kind of positions Hmm. to make you into gold. And it takes that kind of struggle to like push you so that you don't treat people like that. Cause you know how it feels or you want to respect all of your dishwashers and everything like that. Because I was a dishwasher. Right. And like, Learning those skills when I was 18 or 19 years old is like so valuable. And like, you can't, I was lucky enough to have money not be an issue with my family and my parents like supported me and all that. But I'm so glad I got like the dishwashing shitty restaurant jobs like out (laughs) early so that I can be here now. Yeah, totally. Yeah. If you hadn't, like you might've just been kind of on this, on this path, like floating around for a long time and not really having that, like that drive that work. Absolutely. That's crazy. Okay. So what happened after that shop? How did you, how did you end up finding Hawthorne coffee? So after fire Academy, before I even graduated the Academy, I got hired in the forest service. Right. Um, (laughs) with getting that position, I had to leave Ironsmith. Hmm. It was a seasonal job with the Forest Service, uh, therefore meaning vaguely the fire season lasts from about training starts in April and we were on until November, December. Um, But they keep you on as long as they see fit. And joined the Forest Service, had to leave Ironsmith because of schedule complications and all that. Like (laughs) they needed a body and they needed somebody there, literally at least. Yeah, And I couldn't be there. You can't be like a full-time firefighter and barista at the same time. Kind of broke my heart to be real with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. I really liked working at Ironsmith. Right. And the culture they built there is amazing. The customers they have are amazing. The area is amazing. Like every, every box was checked for me, except that it was a half an hour from my house. Mm. Um, so what, what was like the big thing that made you decide to like switch directions from coffee at that moment to, to just like firefighting? I mean, like opposite end of the spectrum right there. <laughs> so I had my family basically telling me, that like they were going to fund my way through college. Gotcha. And like if I figured out a way through college, they would fund it. So I saw that as like, well, I'm not going to go to some four-year university and put my whole family six figures in debt. Right. Did my research, saw that wildland firefighting in California, you can get that done on one semester of school at a community Sweet. college. So they funded all of that. And with that, I thought like, with all due respect, I, I can't do coffee. Like Hmm. my family just bought me boots and uniforms and I uh, had to cut all my hair off. I had to cut all my beard off. I had to (laughs) three days a week, like go do this for eight hours a day. Like it's what I studied for. 
I have my... If you could see Big J right now, he's got his long hair, he's got his ponytail, Yo, and he's got this beard I that's fucking, just growing. It, that that legitimately was one of the most heartbreaking things of joining that fire academy. It was like <laughs> one of the hardest things. They were like, you have to cut all that. It's like, yo, what? Why? Um, <clears throat> which, again, puts you through that, shows you it's not that important. Hmm. I was holding on to it, and they were like, shave it, yeah. or else you're not in. And so you learn that hair is just not that important or um, sometimes sleep is not that important. Like you can miss out on some sleep. You can miss out on like the little like going out with your friends and getting drinks. That's what Fire Academy, I think, taught me the most was self-discipline. And it was like, I have to eat good because if I eat like shit, I won't be able to work out tomorrow. Gotcha. I have to work out because if I don't, I'm not going to be able to handle tomorrow. And like your your like lifestyle outside of firefighting could easily impact your like ability to do your like job as a firefighter. You're saying like like I don't know in I mean, in every aspect to yeah. the point where like if I got in trouble legally, like in my coffee job, I that in certain parameters as long as I'm on the moral right way and we talk about it I could get into legal trouble and still have my job at Hawthorne right. however I was a federal firefighter so if I got arrested on and they the list of chart like if you get booked for any of this you are off the crew you lose your entire job and wow. this is a seasonal job you can't just reapply for Damn. in coffee it could be Wednesday you get let go on Friday you could go take resumes around town Yeah, firefighting is not that way Yeah, it is January you're like and you're applying blacklisted yeah. kind of yeah. yeah damn so I had to like really not that I had to like change my lifestyle and be careful but like it was on my mind that hey I, I need to be careful I need to like hmm. you know we're talking DUIs we're talking assaults we're t- like no fighting yeah. no anything like that so um <laughs> that was a thing for a while um, so <laughs> I, uh, I cleaned up all there and I cleaned up my eating and I cleaned up my sleeping and I cleaned up my life and I got organized. Damn. And, um, unfortunately towards the end of my firefighting season, um, I had a very bad injury mm. while I was working and I didn't get it treated. Oh, shit. Um, the workers comp didn't really work in my favor and a lot of, it was kind of a complicated thing medically, but. I let my body kind of get destroyed and I didn't take care of myself. Mm. And, um, because of that, I, after my firefighting season ended, I applied at Hawthorne and they hired me just because of this crazy story of us bumping into each other, Minotti's. Right. Yeah. Um, that kind of reminds me of like the story of, of me and Chris like bumping into each other. Right. at, At that ice cream shop. Tell, tell your story. How'd you bump into Dylan? So, uh, like I said, the firefighting seasons are kind of vague when towards the end of the season, we'll get a couple rains and they'll say, Hey, you're like kind of free to go. We think the season's ending. And it was at that point I started applying for coffee jobs again. One of which was Hawthorne is so close to my house. The first day I interviewed there, um, I was like answering a Craigslist ad. And when I walked up to the shop, like it was 30% 30% physically completed. <laughs> it, I mean, they didn't have tiles on the walls. The ground was tore up. It was a huge hole in the ground. Dang. Kevin was like a good three feet into the floor. <laughs> he was like in the floor and he was just like, Hey, like you here to interview. <laughs> and I'm just like, dude, I need a job fucking yesterday. Like I, I can't, I'm not here for that. Um, it was a couple months after that interview mm. that I was at Minotti's 
uh, uh, with my girlfriend at the time, and I just look over, and there's Dylan. And it was like, yo, didn't I just interview with you? Damn. And he said, aren't you from San Diego? Like, what are you doing in Venice? And I said, I'm literally <laughs> up here just to get coffee. Yeah. And it was at that point we kind of made that connection. So when I came back down, my firefighting season ended, the door opened, and I walked through it. Um, and he gave me that opportunity, and I hid my injury, and I... I hit all that and I was just like, I'm here to work. <laughs> and that lasted about two to three weeks until like, because it was my knee and because at that point, um, he, he said, you need to go to the doctor. My girlfriend said, you need to go to the doctor. I finally went to the doctor. Um, I tore my meniscus initially. Hmm. Um, upon that, the firefighting work and everything else damaged my MCL, LCL, ACL. Jeez. And my hip was like starting to, there's like a, it wasn't even anymore or something. That's just because it wasn't like treated immediately. Like your body was like compensating. The meniscus is like a shock absorber in your leg. Dang. And I was hiking every day. So <sighs> I'm just like all of my other ligaments and everything else was just Shoot. taking all this shock. And it, uh, it was a humbling, humbling moment for me as a skateboarder, as mm. a hiking fan, as yeah. somebody that works on their feet every day to hear like, it's either surgery and you're not going to, you're going to wear a big cast for three months right. or you're going to go through physical therapy. And so, you know, okay, back to the dieting, back to the working out, back to how do I, what's the, what's my protein intake to rebuild muscle? Mm. What's my workouts to like get my meniscus <laughs> back? Like what the fuck is a meniscus? Damn. And so I had to do all of that on my own. And so you did that with that. So you decided not to do surgery and you were like, I'm just going to fix this thing myself. Basically, <laughs> because at that time, like I just lost my truck in this horrible accident. And Dude. like it, it was just one of those things where you could sit there and be like, oh, when it rains, it pours. Or yeah. you could like, OK, I don't have a truck and now I don't have a knee. And so how am I going to dig myself out of this hole? Jeez. And like. I can't thank Hawthorne enough for the opportunity at that point. I can't thank my mom enough for giving me a place to fucking stay with food and a shower and everything like that. Shout out to or mom like, real quick. Shouts out to everybody's mom, dude. Like, Thank you, mom. Everybody, shouts <laughs> out to your own moms, dude. You need to like text your mom and tell her thank you because if my mom wasn't like, if my mom wasn't, I mean my whole life, dude. My mom's, you know, through my teens, a single mother raising an only son. It's not an easy feat. And, uh, my mom's an angel for all that <laughs> and including this. So yeah, the, the physical therapy part was all on my own. Okay. Um, physical therapy sessions were 180 a piece <sighs> and I'm not fixing to pay that. Yeah. So, um, got the MRI, got the information that I needed with the little bit of insurance I had. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Obama. Thank you so much <laughs> for the Obamacare. Yeah. Thank you. Saving lives right here. Holy shit. Because <laughs> if I didn't even know that I tore my meniscus, I wouldn't have even started that process, and God mm. knows where I'd be at this point. Gotcha. Um, Damn. Started rebuilding the muscle. Started going into Hawthorne. Started realizing that I still have all of this, like, regardless of my knee, my mind was still at this, like, firefighter work ethic where I'm getting up literally at 5.30 every morning. Yeah. And I'm literally ready to hike, like, 20-plus miles. Dude. And I didn't know, like, yeah. where to aim that. Hmm. All I knew is I had energy and passion and I didn't know where the fuck I'm going to aim it. But I knew that one day I wanted a house and yeah. I wanted a car and I wanted to not have the money like a cloud over my head. Like, do you have enough? Do you have enough? Right. I mean, that's such an extreme transition, like going from being a firefighter where you're like literally trying to like save people's lives and like 
now like your life is like super like rigid and structured i imagine like you have to go to bed at a certain time probably and like wake right. up at a certain time all the time and like your life is like disciplined <laughs> and then going into like a completely different like coffee shop environment where now you're like you know you still have some like level of like discipline like systems and responsibility you have to follow but like I don't know. There's like so much more freedom there. So 100%. I mean, I could easily see someone like going from that point to working in a coffee shop and then just like totally like loosening up and like just going in the total opposite end of the spectrum. But you kind of like saw it as like, cool. I still have this, like this like mentality that I developed as a firefighter and I can like bring it into coffee in like a new way a little bit. That's right. Cool. The biggest thing I noticed was that, the firefighting, excuse me, industry is a lot of it is kind of fear based as far as like training and education goes. A lot of it is like, if you don't do this, you're going to die. And like, you need to be the fuck on this and you need to listen to me and you need to like follow me. And like a lot of it is very fear and anger based, which is fine. Like, don't get me wrong. You're out there saving lives. And Mm -hmm. if you, if legitimately, if you don't take those steps, somebody else's life is in danger. Right. Totally get all that. (laughs) To go from that lifestyle to coffee, which is very, um, at least from my experience, very endearing, very mm-hmm. positive, very welcoming, very um, what you get out, you Im- what you put in, you immediately get back. Totally. Um, and firefighting is fucking not that way. Firefighting, I think you can give it your all, and at the end of the day, you're only going to get back so much, right. which is part of the job. That's part of what you sign up for. Totally felt that. Never wanted to ask for anything else of firefighting. Never wanted to like, I want positivity and I want endearment and I want affection and I want, well, you can't ask for that out there. Right. Because dudes' lives are on the line and they're not looking to give you like, good job. Yeah. They want to keep fucking going. Totally. Um, and it was cool to step back from all of that <laughs> and to like go somewhere where they're like, whoa, you actually did all that. I was like, yeah, it wasn't even hard. And they're like, thank you. <laughs> like just like thank yous and like good job and that endearment yeah. I latched onto Dang. and it was really hard for me to let go. Yeah. The biggest struggle I think was like obviously me telling my parents and me having to tell my family like, no, I'm not going back to the firefighting. I'm, I'm at the coffee shop right. and I'm like having fun and I'm enjoying my life. Well, yeah. How did you approach that conversation? I feel like all of us who are in coffee have at one point or another had that conversation with our parents. I mean, yeah, I've heard this from a bunch of people where they're like, cool, you're, wait, you're doing what? You're working in a cafe? Like, what is, what is, what is that all about? What are you doing? What's your, like, next thing? I mean, I know I've, yeah, I've had those conversations. It's, too. A, it's a weird, <laughs> like, it's, a, it's hard to say, like, I'm in, my career is coffee. Yeah. Because I don't think people really understand, maybe they don't see the trajectory of that long term because none of us know what an 80-year career in coffee looks like right now. It's still (laughs) a very uh, young industry. Coffee as we know it, yeah, so young at this point. Like 80 years ago, what did the coffee industry look like? It was like vastly different. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Vastly different than what it is now. Tin can coffee. And especially when you come from industries, like tech looks so promising right now where firefighting is so like looked at as old school and reliable and coffee is not reliable. I would say, right. Um, it was an easy conversation to have, Mm. but at the end of the day, and it's the same thing. Like it's my tattoos. I think a lot of my family members are like, you got a tattoo. Like that's crazy. (laughs) And my whole thing is like, I did it. 
this is my choice. This is my life. And I did it. And I still love you, dude. Like we can still be homies. We can still kick it. Like you're still my grandma. Like I love you, (laughs) but like, you're going to have to get over this one because you're not going to win it. It's already done. Did you have like conversations like that where that was like, absolutely. Dude, that's great. Cause like usually for me, I'm just like, "Eh, that's fine. I'll just like totally ignore you or totally ignore that. I mean, I'll like still talk to the person, but like, it'll just be like, yeah, that's fine. That's just a part of our, like, relationship that won't be the same <laughs> i kind of like go hard with that a little bit i guess maybe i'm lucky because i'm an only child and like i'm i'm like the the direct descendant of that line and i have no gotcha. like my cousins are too young all that so if like family hates me like hey that's you like yeah this that's kind of how, I, that's how like... I look at every everybody is like if you want to <laughs> not like me for something that i find is morally fine like we disagree. That's really cool. They can't be like, why can't you be more like your brother? Exactly. <laughs> I don't have a brother. I'm me. And they're like, you do have a brother. And you're like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. <laughs> hey, that'd be tight. Hey, if I have a brother out there, dude, holler at me. <laughs> I feel like he would be your twin. Like, I don't know. I could <gasps> see like a, like a twin, Big J, just like walk through that door I hope right he's now. another letter. <laughs> like if he was like B okay. or something. Big B. Big B. <laughs> Be fucking sick, dude. Damn, if I had a twin boy. Okay, so you're at Hawthorne. You have grueling knee, hip, ligament, all that stuff, injuries. Mm, right. You're doing physical therapy on yourself. Yeah. Basically working out, getting your diet in check, and like just being a healthy person. Dude, I mean, that's crazy. Um, <laughs> it sounds really fucking bad from that perspective, but yes, that is what I do. No, I mean, that's, that's like awesome, though. That I was mean, 2017 to okay. now. 2017 to now. Cool. So how quickly did you sort of like, like, like tell me about like Dylan's role in like you at Hawthorne Man. and like how, because okay. I know you guys have a really tight relationship and like. I don't, you always joke that he's like your dad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so Dylan is the owner of Hawthorne Coffee. He owns it with his father, right. Kevin. Right. Um, and it's so it's super sick, you know, father son business. And yeah, dude, how did how does like Dylan come into the picture in, in you? Fuck man, Dylan. Um, when I got there, Dylan was the picture. I mean, <laughs> Dylan like that dude does everything there. Yeah. He comes from a bartending turned GM for bars background. Right. So he's got everything from bar flow to how bars should be set up to where you would like all your syrups and everything to be kind of flow wise. Yep. He's got all that set up. <laughs> you might hear that. You might hear yeah, a dog. You, you might hear that. Not it's you, a very huh? sweet dog. Not you, huh? <laughs> not you, huh? That's not my dog barking. Yeah, Jay's dog is like an angel. For the for the record, I have raised an angel. <laughs> I don't promise doing that with a human, <laughs> but with a dog. Um, so Dylan was he was everything there. Like I said, he's got his bar flow down. He's got all of that. He's got um, all this stuff on accounting too. Which, like, mm. again, if you need to hear this, if you're going to open a coffee shop, and like I think I've heard Chuck talk about it, and I've heard Dylan talk about it. The one thing every coffee shop needs is a numbers guy. It's somebody just to calculate how much is coming in and how much is going out, where it all is and where it's all going to go, how much you're spending on labor, uh, profit percentages, all that kind of stuff. Dylan's got that shit nailed. And like it is in it's whatever invaluable means there's like, it's so valuable that it's infinite value, infinite value. (laughs) That shit is insane. I mean, 
Love it. So when I first started there, I came in, you know, um, lovingly, I'd like to think I came in very humble and very like, put mm. me wherever you need. Cause I remember cool. it, it uh, and it still is. Everybody mops, everybody does yep. dishes, everybody does that stuff. So that's kind of how I started. Um, there right. was a coffee director at the time. Um, he and I didn't necessarily see eye to eye. So I kind of laid low for a while. Yeah. Um, he, you know, went on to work in another shop and he and I are very respectful to each other now and all that stuff. But I just kind of inserted myself and I said, I want to learn about coffee. And it was at that time we were getting cat and cloud and I could see that we have four different coffees on pour over, um, two different coffees on espresso every day and a, and a decaf and a cold brew. And we're such a small shop yeah. that I saw in my mind, basically, uh, like I was a big piece in a small puzzle mm. and the more I put in the bigger my piece got and like he needed that help. Right. Dylan absolutely needed it. And uh, like I said, coffee's not that hard, dude. Like <laughs> just fucking, I'm telling you if, if people like, uh, again, with all due respect, <laughs> I, I have to keep saying that. Because Love the sentences that start with that. <laughs> keep it going. If you fucking eat right and sleep right and get on your shit and like drink enough water and try to stay mentally competent and come into work every day with like at least trying to be positive and trying to look forward to your day. And sometimes don't get me wrong. I have to sit there and be like, bitch, look forward to your day. Like <laughs> Jay, today's going to be dope. Like just do it, dude. Right. And sometimes I have those days. Don't get yeah. me wrong. But like doing all of that really just made coffee like super simple. And it was just like, hey, show up, look for little things you can do extra. Right here is a list. Dude, I was looking at that. This is a list of things that we can do for Hawthorne this month. Jeez, he's got a list on his, we're at his house. It's on his coffee table. Like it's just ready to go. And like this is something I like to do. I wish I could do it more often. Hmm. Um, Lists are awesome. So I don't forget things. (laughs) <laughs> Andy and I both made that list. Andy's got a few things on there too. Nice. Shouts Shout out, out shouts out, my boy Andy. Um, Super cool dude. Basically, I, I think Dylan just gave me the opportunities. He said, "You know, I could use some help with this." I said, "Let me help." Yeah. You know, and I just kept taking one or two more things on, and it was awesome to like work with other people um, on that. Did you like immediately like sort of like start just? giving you more opportunities or do you think there was like a period of time where you kind of had to like prove your, like prove your salt in the whole thing and like demonstrate how like hardworking and committed you were to that, that I think definitely played a role. I think, um, that whole fire Academy Mm. uh, instillment of if you're anything less than 15 minutes early or late, if you show up, not ready to work, <laughs> you're not at work. Yep. Um, if you, I mean, there's just so many little respect things. Um, and I think the biggest one above all else, and it's something that I realized upon our last hiring that I'm really looking for is like, can you stay calm, cool and collected no matter what's happening? Yeah. Like if somebody walks in on fire, <laughs> are you going to scream and run? <laughs> or are you going to go grab a fucking bucket of water yeah. and solve the problem? You're like, quite literally, I know exactly how to do that. <laughs> uh, I mean, sh- for sure. Sh- uh, I'll think of a different example at some point. <laughs> um, like, one of our big things is you can state the problem 30 times. Okay. All I want to hear is a solution. Gotcha. Like, and 
as long as I stuck to that and I kept looking for little solutions around the shop and he kept bringing up things he wanted. He kept saying, you know, um, I don't want to be at the shop every day. There's, I shouldn't be here every day. I said, you know, you're right. Totally. You're absolutely right about that. You shouldn't be like, you're the owner. You should be looking at a second location. You should be looking at different ventures. You should be studying on what's coming next. Totally. Um, so I stepped up in that arena. He needed, he wanted help on coffee and like both coffee orders and maybe like numbers. How much are we selling of this versus that? And we got to talk about that. We were talking about, um, I have a secret menu at this point of cocktails that I'm working on (laughs) just these little things that. I feel like I could bring to the table. Yeah. And then he was bringing me to tables about shit, like about San Diego neighborhoods, mm. about things that I didn't even, I didn't even know that I, I didn't even, how do I say this? <laughs> I didn't even know that I knew that. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Like I didn't know that I knew about these San Diego neighborhoods and where coffee shops would work. But You're from here and you have like this intuitive, like just knowledge about the neighborhoods that like, you know, somebody else just won't. And he saw that, at after a while, Hawthorne, I am Hawthorne. Yeah. <laughs> and Hawthorne, like, therefore is me. Mm. And I could leave Hawthorne, but I'm still represent like I'm such that big piece and that small puzzle. Right. That when I leave there, what I do, what I say, whether it's on this podcast, like we can sit here and make a disclaimer and just say, like, <laughs> what I say isn't reflective on Hawthorne and la la la, but like <laughs> kinda is. Yeah. At the end of the day, like kind of is like if I sit here and just like talk smack on a shop or something like that, or say something negative or say something positive, like some of that is going to reflect on Hawthorne and some of that. Um, and some of what happens at Hawthorne is going to reflect on me. And I think that he saw that pride in me and that connection. He thought, you know, it's natural. That's cool, man. One of the like small things you were just talking about was like solutions rather than problems, like bringing solutions to the table. And like, man, I can't like stress that enough. That's like always the sickest thing. We talk about that a lot at Cat and Cloud. It's like, cool. Like actually we have this like system that we call five steps to an effective pitch. That's like basically a way for our team to be able to like think about, okay, I see a problem. I'm not just going to straight away just be like, Hey, Hey, fix Chris, fix my problem. Jared, fix my problem. It's like, no, like you take, like you take ownership over your job and like, you know, think about like, okay, what are some potential solutions? Like, let's, you know, work this thing out. And like, odds are you could probably come up with a solution that's as good or even maybe better than like your manager can for like, like 99% of things. Cause you're like the closest one to the front line and you're like, you know, there in front of that problem every single day. So like, I mean, you probably know what the answer is already. So like. Dude, just do it. <laughs> just do it. Like, just solve the problem. But you just had that, like, intuitively, basically, is what you're saying? Somewhat. Like, don't get me wrong. Some of them were problems that I couldn't solve, whether it be, um, let's say I didn't know how to change a nitro tank, and my nitro blew, and that <laughs> happened. Instead of being like, fucking nitro. Like, <laughs> no, like, you go and you talk to the customer, and you make right. sure everything's cool with them. Hey, it'll be right out. And then you go back to Dylan, and you say, hey, this blue, what do I do? Boom, mm. let's... But when I ask him to solve the problem, it's not, hey, this one time, can you go solve it? It's teach me how to solve it, yes. so that you're never solving this again. That's And it. I'm solving it every time from now on. And that way, you don't have to worry about it. Right. And if that problem arises again, you say, hey, go to Jay. Jay knows how to solve it. Dude, that's what's up. And then <laughs> I, I can therefore train others on how to solve that problem, too. Right. So do you take like the same approach when you're when you're like mentoring someone in the shop? Like, 
do you kind of think of things in that same way? Do you like, if they come to you with a question, do you like ask them a question or like, you know, ask them what they've tried or something like that? There are definitely times where, yeah, for sure. Um, I would much rather teach why than what. Yeah. Um, why we do this, why we do that. <clears throat> One of the first things Dylan said and preaches highly above all else is that everything's done with intention mm. and everything from where everything's set to our hot water towers here versus our grinders here. This is why. Right. And like we put the milk rinser here right next to the bar where we serve drinks so that we're pouring latte right in front of your face. And as we set down your drink, we're rinsing our pitcher. So you see that yeah. and you make that connection as a customer. Right. Um, a bunch of little things like that. And he said, like, cool. if you can't answer, like, if you just do something, if I move this piece of paper, boom, you say, why'd you do that? <laughs> I should be able to answer that. Yeah. I'm a competent adult. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm mentally stable and I, I should be able to answer that. <laughs> so why did I move the piece of paper? Cause I wanted to, whatever. Sure. Um, so that, that is something that I, I try to teach is like, understand why we're doing this. Understand the step-by-step process. Know that every step has to happen for the next one to happen. Yep. That's crazy. So what is your like role right now at Hawthorne? Like what's your like, do you have like a particular title? Yeah. Uh, we, we don't um, really, we the don't really title given titles. recently, I was given title of coffee director. Nice. Um, which I love that title. Yeah. And it was recently on an episode of Sprocast. <laughs> we went to a new shop in town called Seven Seas. And as we all walked in, as we introduced ourselves, he asked us our title. I was, <laughs> out of four people, I was the third coffee director. Um, between Siri and Asa, who are both coffee directors at their own respective shops. Gotcha. Um, and it was at that point I realized like how different our jobs are. Like Siri's job, even versus Ace's job, versus my job. Hmm. Like they roast. I don't even roast. Right. And yeah. like I'm on bar 90 to 100% of my shifts yeah. for like my entire shifts, whereas they're not. And Siri gets to train a lot more than Asa and I do. Yeah. Um, which Lofty is very <laughs> lucky for that shit because anytime you want to come train a Hawthorne, girl, <laughs> let's go. Come on through. Um, come on through. <laughs> <laughs> she said she's down. Um, and it was just, so technically I'm coffee director. I look at that as revamping our coffee menu, doing all of our on-bar training, explaining the why behind all of the coffee-related anything in Hawthorne. Yeah. Um, as well as, like, I don't know. The, the industry in San Diego is fucking amazing, and I'm trying to bridge the gap between Hawthorne Dude. to the Coffee Network. Yeah, the Coffee Network, like, yeah. I, I know we've shouted this out before <laughs> on the podcast, but, like, the coffee community in San Diego is insane mm-hmm. compared to any other place that I've been in the country. Um, I mean, Baltimore is sick for sure in their coffee community as well. Uh, where else have we been? Minneapolis has a hot coffee community. Every time we come to San Diego, we just see such an amazing diversity of shops and different, you know, just people from all over the place, just like working together. Like there's the Sprocast, which has representation from Lofty, from Hawthorne, and Bird Rock Coffee Roasters Bird and Rock. Leap Coffee Roasters. And Leap Coffee. Four coffee shops all sitting there together around a microphone and mm-hmm. telling stories about their lives and about coffee. I just think that's super sick, like, that you guys are part of that whole scene, and also that we get to, like, by extension, 
through working with you guys, we get to participate in it too. That's like so cool. For sure. <laughs> I feel like there's not a lot of industries that get this dude. And it's not that we're like, get, it's that we get it. We don't, we hardly give. I feel like, I right. mean, no, don't get me wrong. Some people <laughs> give a lot. I don't want to say that, but I feel like my give to get ratio, I get a lot more than I give to the coffee network and to the coffee industry. Yeah. And I think like so many other industries view it from such a competitive lens and they see like, like, like they maybe wouldn't feel comfortable sharing knowledge with one of their quote unquote competitors because they feel like they would lose their edge or whatever. But I don't know. Yeah. It, it just always, coffee always like proves that like kind of wrong in a way. And I mean, maybe there are some industries where you just can't do that or you'd be eaten alive, but like just coffee's like created that, like that like status quo that like you can, you can share and like build each other up. And at the end of the day, we're just, we're just in it to like create amazing experiences for people. For sure. And I think that's that last part right there. Like creating that amazing experience is what makes you more than a cup of coffee. Yes. A cup of coffee is a great medium to experience that in, in the same sense that I'm not naive enough to think that I couldn't do that with alcohol, food, um, tea, Yep. I mean, any uh, hookah even. You could like <laughs> find find your tangible product and <laughs> plug it into your wonderful service model, right. and I bet it would succeed. However, <laughs> I love coffee for the sense of, A, good drug, love it. Right. <laughs> that caffeine gets me good. Good buzz. Good buzz. Second of all, I used to sell alcohol, and when you get people on their second or third rounds and they start getting a certain type of way Mm. and you want to cut them off and you understand that that's your responsibility to, and that becomes weird. That's a whole thing versus it's 6am and somebody's looking at you like they just got into a car wreck and they're just (laughs) like, can I please just have coffee? And you're like, yeah, dude, like that's easy. Just pour (laughs) coffee and give it to them. Like it's liquid gold and it makes their whole day better. That's a way better vibe for me. Yeah. Coffee's a great medium to do that in third of all. I'll say that, um, it's kind of like, towards the cheaper end to get into. Oh yeah. Like when you open a bar and you invest in all of that liquor or when you open a restaurant and you like, let's say a pizza restaurant, you buy pizza oven. Like Mm. these are all big investments that you would have to make. Whereas I see coffee as being a little more approachable. Yep. Totally. There's so many ways you can get into it. Um, dude. Yeah. What what do you think the next thing is for you at Hawthorne? Like I know you guys are, (laughs) itching to grow and like do more stuff. Like where do you see yourself there? Like what, what, what impact do you want to have on Hawthorne? What I'm hoping is that we, is, is hard to explain my theory on this, but I see us opening more locations, each of which being coffee and blank. Nice. And whatever that blank is in each of these different locations, it would be amazing if they were all different. I like that a lot. If, if I could have, coffee in a record shop if i could have coffee in a skate shop if i like right now we're coffee and toast mm-hmm. realistically um it'd be <laughs> dope to have coffee and like a melbourne style cafe like a restaurant acai bowls and eggs benedict and stuff yeah i still want coffee in a smoke lounge where medicinal marijuana patients can come and ingest their medicines and really? get some of them brown drugs too man like <laughs> coffee and i think is what's going to take over our industry and make it better once you see yourself not just as coffee and more as an experience. I'm hoping what I get to bring to that table is both coffee education and, you know, with that origin trips and roasting and 
uh, SCA expos and things yeah. I'm still so green to that I'm sure are not as exciting as they are in my young <laughs> mind. Um, I want to do all that. And I want to experience all that. And then I want to bring that education to young people like how I was when I was 21 right. and when I was getting treated like shit. And like, I want to provide that safe, endearing, educational, fun workplace to anyone. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, that's pretty tight. That's pretty freaking sick. <laughs> I don't know what else to say Thanks. about that, other than like <laughs> just people out there. Like, if you're if you're hiring right now, if you're hiring someone, just like look for the qualities that that Big J like you know just demonstrates in his life. Because I think Damn. like having somebody like that on your team, and I know Dylan doesn't take it for granted for sure, but like having someone like that on your team that's like just like disciplined and like straight from the get go is just like, put me in coach. Like, where do you need me? Dude, that kind of thing is going to take you far and just that. treat them well. Thank and you. Like, yeah, dude, big J. Appreciate it, dude. So Thank glad you. to have you on here to share your story. This is my pleasure. Shouts out to Chick-fil-A. <laughs> <laughs> Chick-fil-A. We're going to you later. Chick-fil-A sponsor me, please. I don't know if that's true. I want chicken. All right. This has been the cat and cloud Cop podcast. Thank you to everybody at Cotton Club. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Jared. Thank you, Chuck, for all your hard work. Thank you, Alex and Mark and Brittany. Shouts out uh, Jen and Grace and all the homies over at Cotton Club, man. Appreciate y'all. Yeah, dude. Shout out to Hawthorne and the crew and everybody that's here right now. San Diego Coffee Community. Love you guys. Siri over there. Lou Dog. Shout out to Lou Dog. Yeah, shouts out to my dog, Lou. Let me tell you something. Uh, My dog's an angel. And um, again, Jeez, I'm gonna I'm say it again. If you kill my dog, I'm a John Wick you and your family. So uh, <laughs> this is Big J Wick signing off. Do not cross Big J. Peace. The Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast is brought to you by Wilbur Curtis. They make coffee brewers. Ever heard of them? If you haven't, you should. They're an awesome family-owned company. They're here in California. They power their facility with solar power, which I hear that's like a new hot thing that progressive people do. The best thing about Curtis, in my humble opinion, is the turnaround time on the Brewers. They have a 24-hour turnaround. It's phenomenal. If you've ever ordered a Brewer for a wholesale client from someone else and waited and waited and waited for it to come in, you know how frustrating that is. So being able to get the Brewer next day like that is absolutely amazing. Shout out to you, Wilbur Curtis. Their customer service is phenomenal. And they just care. They care about you. They care about me. And I care about them. And that's why Cat Cloud Podcast is brought to you by Wilbur Curtis.